Hi, Pine Castle. My name is David. I have the, uh, the pleasure and the uh, fear-inducing terror of uh, sharing with you today. Uh, today we'll be talking about Nathan, uh, the prophet Nathan. Um, he was the advisor and uh, prophet to the kings during the reign of David and Solomon. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about him today. We're going to talk a lot about David, who wrote Psalms, um, kind of talk about how great saints can commit great sins. Um, but before we do that, um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, I repent of any sin, for they are many that would prevent my prayers from being heard and answered. And Lord, I just pray that you will speak, and it's not me, that you will speak, Lord, and that everyone who is here is here for a reason, and that you will speak to what, what your congregation would hear, Lord. Lord, I just lift you up, and I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Amen. All right, so we are continuing our series on heroes of the faith. Um, today we are going to study Nathan, but it's a year-long series where we are looking at the heroes and throughout the Bible, men and women, fallible, human men and women, um, but what they would speak to us in our lives um, so we can have the wisdom to run life's race. Uh, would everyone agree that we need wisdom to, to run life's race? And what better way to do that than through the, uh, the words in the Bible from these, these folks that have been memorialized in Holy Scripture. Um, so today we're going to talk about Nathan and what it means to have courage. Um, I like today's PC share. Uh, courage is the commitment to begin without any guarantee of success. Um, we're going to see how Nathan had to have great courage just to be a friend of King David. And for him to be a prophet and, to, and be the Lord's mouthpiece uh, when, when David needed not just counsel but correction uh, took great courage. Um, courage is defined as mental or moral strength to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Uh, Joshua 1.9, uh, Sandra shared with us, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So that's the source of our courage. It doesn't come from us. It comes from our relationship with God who gives us courage. Um, Nathan was an unsung hero. You know, we read lots of major and minor prophets throughout the Bible. You know, we have the book of First and Second Samuel. You know, we have, we have all these books that are named after great prophets. Um, but Nathan, Nathan doesn't have a, a book uh, named after him. Uh, Nathan, like a lot of prophets, appears abruptly in the Old Testament. He's there for a season. He just kind of disappears without uh, any other mention uh, later on. Um, so 
even though Nathan may not have his own book, it does say this in 2 Chronicles. Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon are written in the book of Nathan the prophet. So there may be a book of Nathan. We just haven't discovered it yet. Or more likely, the, those writings have been absorbed into First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel. So what he wrote, what he memorialized, is what we know of as one of those other books. Um, but he um, he was still a very influential biblical figure. He played an important role in the building of the temple, um, and he delivered the messianic promise of Jesus to King David. And we'll learn about that in just a moment. Um, the first time Nathan is mentioned um, is in chapter 7 of uh, 2 Samuel. And here's what happened. Um, David had defeated his enemies, and he had built a castle for himself uh, made of cedar. And he went to his friend and his advisor, Nathan, and, um, and said, hey, I've got this castle made of, of cedar and the Ark of the Covenant is outside in a tent. I should build a temple. And Nathan, his friend, said, that's a great idea. You should go ahead and do that. Go forth, do whatever you want to do because the Lord is with you. That's what friends do, right? They back up what their friends think is the right thing to do. And, and certainly he's seen miraculous uh, intervention from God in the life of David. So he, he's speaking from experience, but God spoke to Nathan that night and told him, you need to go back to the king. Tell him he can't build a temple because he's a man of bloodshed and sin. So he's not going to build the temple. So in First Chronicles, um, we see it's a um, Chapter 22, we see that he goes and explains that to David, but he also gives him a promise. We'll read about it in a moment. Um, but David's time was about a thousand years before Jesus. It was a very violent time, a very primitive time. Um, it was between the, it's the cusp uh, between the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. So that tells you how far back in history this was. In fact, the first iron um, uh, instrument, the, the first iron weapon that's mentioned in the Bible is Goliath's spear. So at that time, iron was state-of-the-art military equipment, right? So that's how far back in time this is. Um, but he was a primitive and violent man in a primitive and violent time. Uh, David also lived as a king in the Middle East when things like polygamy were acceptable. So we've got to be very careful when we judge David because he was definitely a man of his time, but we also can't use his sin or those examples as excuses for sin in our own life. Um, we can't rationalize our sin. Um, but yeah, David was definitely a man of violence. Uh, Samuel tells us the women sang to one another as they made merry, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands, right? I mean, if we look at the men that, well, the first time we ever see David is when he kills Goliath, right? That's pretty violent, cuts off his head. Um, but if we add up the people that David himself killed 
and the people that his armies kill. We're talking tens, if not hundreds of thousands. So definitely a man of uh, a bloodshed. But um, Nathan goes to, to David and says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build the house from my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever and ever. Your throne will be established forever. Now, we know that that, was, that prophecy uh, was revealed in Jesus. It was fulfilled. Um, but that's, that's what David had to hear. Sorry, you can't build the temple. But your offspring will. And I, and I pray that David understood that this is awesome. You know, a, a kingdom that lasts forever will come from me, even if I can't build the temple myself. Um, but that, that is a messianic preface, uh, prophecy. That was, um, that was the Davidic covenant that Jesus would come from the line of David and his throne would last forever. Um, so Nathan's name means God has given. I want to make sure that we, you know, we did that in this sermon, that, we, uh, that we, we define these names. It's really important that we do that. Um, now, David, women loved him. He probably thought he was God's gift. Um, but the gift God gave to him was his friendship with Nathan, a, a man he could trust to give him encouragement, but also to give him wise counsel. Um, and just as God sent Nathan to David, God will send a Nathan to you. Um, the very first verse of, of 2 Samuel 12 says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. So God gives us friends. God sends Nathans into our lives to fight sin. If you're following along in your notes, you can add this to one of, your, one of the bullet points. You can fill this in. The reason, one of the reasons we have friends is they can call us to, the, to account uh, when, we're, when we're sinning. Um, and if you were on the receiving end of a prophetic word, would you be humble enough to accept it? I mean, generally, if, if God uses a word of prophecy through a friend to convict us of our sin, he's probably tried other ways to get through to you. Hopefully through his word, right? Um, maybe through the voice of your conscience. You know, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Um, but, you know, very often we aren't listening. Um, and the reason we don't listen is that sin deceives. That's your next bullet point. Sin deceives. Um, Psalms 36 says it this way, in their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. I like the translation of the New Living Testament, the New Living uh, Translation that says, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. I'm sure David was like that. We know the story of David and Bathsheba. We're going to go there in a moment. But I'm sure he was able to rationalize and justify uh, his sin. Um, because sin always promises something it can't deliver. Um, you know, we hear it all the time. I'm just doing my own thing. You know, um, we're two consenting adults. 
I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. Um, sin always hurts somebody. Uh, I heard Dr. Mark Rutland say it this way. No one sins in a vacuum. Um, so we need to, to beware the, um, the peril that, that lies in success. Um, you know, we read about the Me Too movement, right? We read, read about uh, people, toxic masculinity. We read about um, people who have committed sin and lost their careers. And it's not just the Harvey Weinsteins. Um, it's not just Hollywood or uh, the Washington elite. Um, we see it in our own day uh, with, with very respected religious leaders um, who've, who thought they were above it all until they were discovered and they lost it all. Um, so great saints commit great sins. We know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? Uh, David, David committed adultery with Bathsheba the wife of one of his trusted and loyal generals, Uriah. Um, and then when he realized that Bathsheba was pregnant, he brought Uriah home from the battlefield to go be with his wife so that the math would work out. Right? I mean, people, people can count. Uh, people of the kingdom knew what was going on. Um, but when Uriah turned out to be a man of more integrity than David. He was rewarded. David killed him. David had him killed. David sent him to the front, and Joab made sure that he was out in front when the enemy came. I think it's amazing that David trusted Uriah's integrity so much that he gave him a sealed note to give to Joab, knowing that Uriah wouldn't read it. He wouldn't open the note. He wouldn't sneak a peek. Had too much integrity. So anyway, we're not sure really how much time has taken place. Um, but by the time we revisit the story, the baby has been born. So for the better part of a year, David, um, who was a man after God's own heart, who wrote half of Psalms, had hardened his heart for a year, thinking, no one's caught on. You know, the baby's been born. I've married Bathsheba. Everything is looking good. And then, our next bullet point, sin is discovered. Um, it's said this way in Luke, there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And this is where Nathan's courage had to come in, right? If we look at the, the, the modern way of saying this, maybe not so modern, I'm not always hip to the lingo, um, but this is where Nathan spoke truth to power. Um, in the New International Version, the passage begins with Nathan rebukes David. So Nathan didn't slip a note, I know what you did, to David. He could have gotten away with that. Um, but instead, he, um, he told a little story. 
So, so Nathan goes to David and he tells him this story um, about this, this poor man who had a pet lamb. Now, back in these days, lambs were, were kept as pets. So he tells this story about this poor man who has one baby lamb. And he raises this lamb like a pet, like a daughter, sits on his lap, eats from his table. And he tells the story about this rich man who has lots of lambs, right? And he has a guest come, and he, he goes, instead of taking one of his own lambs, he takes this poor man's only lamb and serves it up for dinner for a guest. And I think we get the subtext, right? We understand the, the meaning of his parable. Um, but David, in his self-righteousness, says, surely this man must die. And what does Nathan say? Nathan points his finger in David's face and says, hashtag YTM, you the man. You are the man. Would you have the courage to do that? Would you have the courage to confront a friend, a powerful friend? I mean, Nathan certainly counted the cost. He was going into the king's throne room without an invitation. Joab, the commander who sent Uriah to the front, was at David's right hand. And at one word from David, he'd have taken Nathan's head right off. But instead, David hears and responded with humility. He says, you're right, I did it. Loosely quoted. And that leads us to our next bullet point that confessed sin is forgiven. Um, 1 John 1.9 tells us, and this is New Testament, that if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But Nathan, he knew the law of Moses. The penalty for murder was death. Heck, the penalty for adultery was death. And he had what Raymond Burr uh, in Ironsides, or what was it? What was it uh, Perry Mason would love to have, right? He was, had a confession in the courtroom, right? In front of all the witnesses. I did it. You're right. I did it. Right? But instead, he offered mercy and grace. And he told, he told uh, David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. You know, what da made David, and, and you have to understand David to understand Nathan. What made David a man after God's heart is his endless capacity for repentance and confession. Um... After this moment, David penned Psalm 51. And he took this to the, the, uh, the leader of the tabernacle to sing, you know, with the whole choir. And, and Psalm 51 goes, Against thee I have sinned and done which is evil in thy sight. In sin did my mother conceive me, and in iniquity I was born. Certainly, the worship leader at the tabernacle knew what this meant. 
because David wanted it to go viral. David wanted it to be confessed to all of Israel. And he, he sinned against God. He sinned against Israel. So when a king sins, he needs to confess to the whole nation. Um, but Psalm 51 also continues, purge me with hyssop, which represents the, the leader of the tabernacle, the priest putting the blood on the altar. So he's saying, wash my sins with blood. He says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And this is, this is the Old Testament. They didn't really get the, the, the blood and the Spirit. So this is also speaking to what we get to experience with the Holy Spirit. Um, but I wonder what Nathan thought when he reread that psalm. I mean, certainly he felt, maybe not pride, but he, he probably felt that he was glad that he listened when God told him to go speak to David, and he was glad that he was obedient to take that message to David rather than just letting it go. But let's not forget that sin has consequences. Um, Nathan had to tell David that the baby would die. Um, in fact, the, the, the verse says, um, the, the baby of the wife of Uriah will die because when they committed the sin, she was still married to Uriah, right? So it was Uriah's baby. Um, but consequences are built into our choices. So our next bullet point is that God will send you as a Nathan. God will send you as a Nathan to your friends. And when he does, you need to be ready to confront with God's word. Are you able to separate your own emotions how you feel about your friend? Could you do that? Could you be faithful and obedient when God tells you to confront someone else's sins? A lot of times we get so, you know, into our own sins and rationalizing our own sins that it becomes difficult for us to see sins in others. Or sometimes we're, we're so busy seeing sins in others that we rationalize our own sins. Um, but it takes a lot of courage um, to be able to do that to your friends. Uh, you know, we had the, um, the PC share earlier, and I actually had an alternative PC share. Um, we'll see if anybody recognizes this. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Correct. I didn't use it because that's Dumbledore. Um, but if you, if, if you wrote that down, you can, you know, Hashtag PC share at Pinecastle UMC if you share that. Um, sorry, I need to catch up. I scrolled way up at the top there. So when God sends you as a Nathan, you need to be ready to confront with God's word. You are the man. But you also need to be ready to comfort with God's word. Um, Chapter 12, verse 24 says, David comforted his wife. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. And Jedidiah means 
beloved of God. So Solomon, the next son of David and Bathsheba, was beloved of God. Um, I want to make sure, I'm covering a lot of topics here, that you're getting the main thing. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. If God could use Nathan to turn the heart of a violent, brutal king, he can use you in the lives of your friends. And you need to be willing to listen to the Nathans that God puts in your life. And be willing to listen when God, when his spirit commands you, calls upon you to speak into the life of your friends. Sometimes we just need to be quick to listen. Uh, maybe ask a question. And that may be enough to, to get them to be thinking about, about their sin. Um, and then the Holy Spirit can do the work. You know, we don't have to read them the riot act. Um, but we can just ask a question, tell a story. Um, and then hopefully they'll respond as David did in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, has anyone ever sent a Nathan into your life? If they have, take a moment today. Reach out to them. Thank them. Let them know how thankful you are for them in your life. Um, I, will, I will admit the Nathan in my life is in the front row. Her name is Michelle. Um, I am blessed to have a praying and godly wife um, who calls me to account when I stray and when I do things I shouldn't do. Um, and she does it with love. And I can trust what she has to say because I love her. And she's demonstrated through our 34 <laughs> years together that she is trustworthy and that she is faithful and that she loves me. And that when she speaks the truth to me, that she's speaking the truth in love. Um, but Michelle is not just a Nathan to me. I have observed her be a Nathan to others. Um, it's going way back, but when our children were very little, we were in a small group of other young marrieds. Um, and we need to get some young married small groups going again. Um, not that I could be involved in those anymore. Um, but there was a couple with, with their daughters about the same age as our son. And the husband was in an adulterous affair and was going to leave his wife. And um, I didn't have the bravery, but Michelle did. To, to write a little note um, about what he should be doing, but also uh, concluded with a, a verse. It's dangerous, but concluded the note with a verse. Um, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, they still got divorced. But years later, they reconciled. And I'm sure there are many other voices in their life telling them the same thing. Um, but they reconciled, they remarried. And, and the husband came to Michelle and showed him, showed Michelle the note. He still had it. 
years later. What an impact. So be courageous to be a Nathan in someone else's life. Um, it, can, it, can, it can work miracles. So, God can show his faithfulness to us by listening to the Nathans in our lives and giving us the courage to be Nathans in others' lives. Um, I want to pray. Make sure that, that this, the, the purpose of this is not about me giving you a bunch of facts from the Bible, but that it's you know, taking this back to the gospel. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Nathan and the example that he shows and that we can be courageous and that we can listen and that great sin can be followed by your great grace and mercy. Father, help us to be obedient, uh, obedient hearers of your word, but also hearers of your still small voice leading us to be a Nathan in someone else's life. Heavenly Father, I, I know that there, there are people here that, that, that compare themselves more to David than to Nathan. And so for them, Lord, um, I pray with them, um, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. And I know, Lord, that there are people here that, that want to be a Nathan. But they're, they're, so, they're so embarrassed by their own sin that they feel they can't do it. And so with them, I pray, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word says you will bless us when we're obedient to your word. So Lord, help us to be Nathans and help us to listen to the Nathans in our life. Pine Castle, if you can go ahead and stand, I want to give you the benediction. So may the the grace of Jesus and the love of God and the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you this week. And Lord, the Lord will give you the grace and the courage to listen to the Nathans in your life and the great courage that you need to be a Nathan in someone else's life. I bless you. I thank the Lord for you. Have a great week. God bless you.